Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. As a traveler, it's a fact you're going to need to manage your spending in different currencies. You need a service that not only helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, but also does it without the hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This is where WISE comes in. WISE is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. I've been a customer for over a decade. It's been a lifesaver for me as a traveler, a nomad, and now a permanent resident abroad. If you're a traveler who's still using your regular bank, you need to check this out. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to WISE for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. How a simple dip in the ocean changed one person's life today on this show. Plus, travel as a tool to reinvent yourself. Have you done it in some way, shape, or form? Certainly a big topic in today's interview segment, and I'll share some thoughts around that. So much more. It's all happening right now. Yes, right now. Thanks for being here. And welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so kindly for hanging out, letting me bring a little bit of travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. And thanks again for being here. Got an incredible show coming up for you today. As I mentioned at the top, travel to reinvent yourself. And I'm sure on some level, if you've traveled, maybe you've done this, even if it was just for the day. I mean, it's kind of one of the interesting things about traveling. You can be this anonymous person in the middle of nowhere and nobody knows who you are. And I want to talk a little bit more about that later because that can add a whole other dynamic to your travels that maybe you haven't really thought about before. Maybe you have. It's just an interesting topic and one that I dive into today with my guest who had been one of the biggest pop stars in the former country of Yugoslavia, now Croatia. Huge pop star, talking like Beatlemania type thing for her. And she had to get out. She had to get out. So you're going to hear her story why that happened and how a move to America and living as an expat helped her do that. And we get into a whole slew of topics around that, uh, using travel to kind of create space, to have these sort of breakthroughs, what you can do to break negative thought patterns. This, this whole conversation goes in a lot of interesting directions and was really just honored that she was sharing her story so transparently. And there's some um, heavy parts to this interview, but you know, we, we, cover it all. And I know you're going to enjoy the chat, which we're going to get into in just a moment. And of course, on the back end, after the sh- uh, interview portion, I will share some of my thoughts around reinventing yourself through 
travel. Travel as a tool to do that. And I've got a shout out as well coming up to a couple of you fine, wonderful, beautiful souls in the Zero to Travel Caravan, the listening community. This show is for you, my friend. Don't ever forget that. I make this show for you and I'm currently booking more interviews and looking at more topics I want to cover. So do not hesitate to reach out if you want to let me know who you want me to have on the show, what topics you want me to cover that I maybe haven't yet. And a couple of people have already done this. So I thank you for that. And you can get in touch with me anytime, Jason at zerototravel.com. I read all of my emails. I'd love to hear your stories. I'd love to hear what you're up to, where you've been traveling, where you're thinking about traveling, and any of your thoughts around the show and what I can do to help you travel the world because this is what I do. This is what I'm passionate about. I truly believe travel makes the world a better place. And I want to help as many people as possible do that. And I'm just so honored you're part of this community. And thank you for letting me into your ears. And I have two things before this interview. Something I want to give myself a pat on the back for, which I don't usually do. Uh, Kind of a crazy thing that I did yesterday. Crazy for me. Got over one of my biggest fears. And I'll tell you about that in a second. First, I just want to say thanks to Tortuga Backpacks for supporting today's show. Yes, my favorite backpack company, the one I've been using for years and years. Over at zerototravel.com slash Tortuga, you can actually see the backpacks and the gear that I use from them. And just for being a listener of the show, you get 10% off with the promo code TRAVEL. So if you just enter the word TRAVEL when you check out, you'll get 10% off anything that you order over there. And I just got an email from one of the product specialists there, and she told me they just launched the first women's backpack. It's a 35 liter backpack and it's available now. Speaking of uh, 35 liters, 45 liters, the sizes of packs, uh, one of the big things to remember when you're packing a backpack for a trip is getting it to the size where you don't have to check the bag. Because if you can fit everything into your carry-on, you don't have to pay those check luggage fees. So you can actually save money by packing smartly. And Tortuga does a great job just maximizing the space in the bag, but making it small enough that you don't have to check it. It's a wonderful thing. So check out their stuff. ZeroToTravel.com slash Tortuga. 10% off with that promo code, just the word travel. I know you can remember that. When you check out, you'll get 10% off. So buy yourself a gift. Buy a gift for a loved one who loves travel. If you do, you'll also be supporting this show. So I thank you very much for that. And thanks to them for supporting the show over many years. Now, let me tell you quickly why I'm patting myself on the back. And you can give me a virtual pat too if you're proud of me. I am proud of myself. Anyway, I went to an open mic night last night. This ties in with the show because I'm talking to a musician today. And it's always been my biggest fear to play music in front of people. I play the guitar, write songs. I have fun with it, but I do it in my living room by myself. It's not something I really share with people. But I said, you know what? I'm setting a challenge for myself because I got to do it. Even though it's driving me crazy, I'm going to play at this open mic night. And it was outdoors in Oslo in a park by this giant sculpture of this baby head. And it's just a beautiful night. The way the grass was built in around the sculpture, it was kind of on a hill with some benches. So it was almost like a mini stadium. And there were a good amount of people there, probably, I don't know, maybe 30 people, 30, 40 people hanging out in the park. We had some beers, people brought snacks and a little microphone, a little, a little amp. And I signed up. And I went up and I played one of my songs. I totally could not sing it in key. 
uh, I totally blew it in that way. The whole thing was a blur. I was a nervous wreck. It's funny because I have no problems getting on this microphone, chatting with you, doing the podcast thing. I could MC an event with a couple hundred people standing in front of me. It wouldn't bother me at all, really, too much. I might be a little nervous, but no big deal. I've done that stuff in the past. But this whole idea of playing guitar in front of anybody, whether it's one or two people, let alone 30 or 35, I was proud of myself because I did it. Sure, the singing sucked. (laughs) Some of it or most of it probably wasn't very good, but hey, I did it. And who cares, right? Because sometimes you just got to get out and do things. And when you push yourself in that way, it does feel good when you set a challenge for yourself and do it. So anyway, I just wanted to share that little personal story with you. And uh, thanks for listening. (laughs) Now, Let's slip and slide into today's interview. Don't forget to hang out on the other side. We're going to talk about travel as a reinvention tool and a little quote for you and a shout out. So stick around for that. I will see you on the other side, my friend. I am in Chicago at the moment, so it's... It's morning here. It's literally 11 o'clock. Oh, nice. Yeah. Are you a coffee drinker? Or? Yes. <laughs> okay. And I'm walking down the stairs with coffee and my laptop. So if you hear a crash, yes. don't panic. Well, no, I'll not yes okay. to the crash, but uh, <laughs> yes to the coffee. Yeah, I, I uh, always like yes. to ask coffee drinkers if uh, if it's morning where they are if they've had their coffee yet or not. Because if you haven't, then I have to be like, all right, we can hit pause on this and go get your coffee because I know <laughs> how that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm European, so for me, it's like uh, coffee is, is a ritual. Yes, well, I'm in, more than. I'm in Oslo, Norway, and apparently and they're in the top five of like the most coffee tr- drinking, drinking, yeah. I don't know, per yeah. capita in uh, anywhere in the world. So... Um, yeah, it's only, especially in the winter. <laughs> it's only up to my uh, addiction, I guess. <laughs> uh. We're actually recording right now. I, I like to do that because sometimes these casual conversations just kind of kick things off naturally anyway. So I hope that's okay yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm at my friend's house in her closet because it's the best <laughs> sounding room, right? Oh, this is uh, just pretty much par for the course when it comes to recording these interviews for me. Usually I'm the one in the closet. It's the best uh, it's for sonically because there's no echo. Yeah. You don't want to have echo. Yeah. For sure. Cool. <laughs> well, it's nice to see you and thanks for taking the time to do this. Absolutely. I'm excited. I, I listened to um, the goat people yesterday and just the, loved it. The goats on the road. Good. Yeah. I'm yes. glad you enjoyed that. Well, um, yeah, we're excited to have you here. And I mean, I guess I want to start off with... Uh, figuring out where you come from because i know you come from croatia but croatia has a lot of places in it so i want to get a sense of um the type of town you grew up in and uh where you were born did you move around a lot give me the scoop right so i grew up in zagreb which is the capital of croatia okay which when when i was growing up it was yugoslavia so it changed oh, yeah. okay right and uh you know we're i'm a musician my dad was a musician so and I think somewhere down the like the heritage line, I have some gypsy blood. So for me, travel was always like there was no life without travel. Yeah. I mean, is it something that you did with your family or was it like a, an idea that you had? And- yeah. 
it was more like an idea. It was more like, um, you know, the road, the world out there is calling constantly. And so our family, you know, my family, just by the, um, the pressures and the, and the circumstances had to settle down. Otherwise we wouldn't have, you know, and so we talked about it and we always had, you know, and, and we do, I mean, just like in Europe, we all take summers off and we go to the coast. We, it's like culturally like the whole in, you know, inlands, we all just migrate to the coast for the summer. So that was, that was our ritual travel. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you're doing some traveling in your home country, but kind of, some kind of, I think a lot of travelers listening to this can relate to this. I don't know, would the French say je ne sais quoi? Like, I don't know what, isn't that what that yeah. translates to? It's like this uh, inner need to travel, even though you might not yeah. even know where it comes from. And maybe you haven't even yeah. traveled internationally growing up. All right. So what, what was it like in Yugoslavia as a child? I mean, what was it like? So, you know, Yugoslavia was one of the only communist countries in Europe that was not a part of the Eastern Bloc. So we were not behind the Iron Curtain. So our borders were a little bit more open, but it was still, it was still not, you know, you couldn't really travel to a lot of places with your red passport. <laughs> so, but we were, we, it was the, the travel between um, neighboring countries, Italy and Austria, that was really easy. I mean, not really easy, but, um, but we did, you know, Hungary. Um, so I did, I had a, a aunts that lived in Italy. So if we wanted to buy jeans, we would go to Italy to buy jeans every, um, you know, every fall. So I had, I had this crazy story when I was a teenager, I was 17 years old and, um, I, every summer I would have a gig on the summer at the summer resorts on the coast of Croatia with my dad's band. And this one particular summer when I was 17, um, this huge yacht came in into uh, the bay where the, this resort was. Uh, and I turned to my mother and I said, oh, they came for me. And she looked at me because I was always like this dreamer and, you know, fantasizing about the world out there. And I was not going to stay put. And she, she, she smiled at me. But, you know, to make a long story short, I actually swam out to the boat with them. It was a huge yacht that, you know, like, you know, by the um, by the flag that they fly where they're from. But this particular yacht had a huge satellite dish that I'd never seen before and and had a few different flags, which means they were traveling through international waters a lot. So I was intrigued. And so I swam out to them with my mother and they invited us up. And I was like, well, I don't know. You know, it's like, you know, grown men. <laughs> I don't see any, you know, it means it's safe. But I saw these two little girls running around the boat. And so I was like, you know, looks like families oriented so we, we we got up and um they welcomed us and offered us drinks and food and whatever and the two little girls uh, turned out to be paris and Lindsay hilton oh really little hilton girls <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know i was i was the yugoslavia was closed a lot more closed than um you know other countries in the western world so i I, I really didn't know who they were. I knew of Hilton Hotels, but, you know, th that's pretty much it. So that kind of opened up a huge path for me. This guy who was, who owned the, the, the yacht, he um, he loved, he came to hear me sing, and he just loved what he saw. And he, so he arranged for me to do some demos in London. But how old were Richard. you at the time when you swam out to this boat? Seventeen. Okay. Yeah. So we had wow. to actually wait a year before I could travel to London 
to, um, you know, before I was, uh, before I could, he could do that. Your parents must've been like, all right, young girl, (laughs) like they're going to fly you to London where they must've been a little worried. Right. I have a daughter, so I would be, you know, absolutely. And, and you know, this gentleman was, I mean, he flew my mom and I, so it was, yeah. And he said, you know, come up, come with the whole family. And he got first class tickets, which, which was like first class tickets to us was like, well, you know, for that month, for that much money, we can live on that for five years. Right. <laughs> so it was a, it was this a is very, crazy. it is, it was crazy. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, I got to London and I got to work at the townhouse studios, Olympic studios for, um, these were demos for Richard Branson, who was just opening up Virgin records. And it was, it was this crazy adventure, but that trip to London just opened up my, my appetite for okay this is i i you know now i now i'm sure that i don't want to stay in croatia all right so this was like some kind of a and r guy on the boat for virgin records or i mean no he was no 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 he was just friends he was somebody who loved music his best friend was phil phil collins and he had you know through through that um and and he was very close friends with richard branson and so he was like, you know, I can put up some money to do the demos. And um, they were looking for teenage pop stars because Debbie Gibson and I'm dating myself a long time ago. But Tiffany and Debbie Gibson were huge. And so they were looking for other, you know, 18 year old girls right. that could sing. Yeah. So. Wow. I, I mean, the thing that I find the most amazing about the story is just that decision to go swim out to that boat. Right. Because if you just either decided not to climb on or decided not to do it. I mean, I don't know. It's easy to kind of reflect back, I think, in those things in hindsight and be like, yeah, something drew me there. And obviously it did because you went, but at the same time, you never know, you know, when you do something like that, if it's going to turn into this whole thing, next thing you know, you're flying to London first class and putting together demos. And now you have a a music career and it sounds like you're uh, at that time anyway. I mean, I don't know if you're still doing music. We'll get into that, but kind of just staying where we are in your sort of life arc. You did become a pop star essentially, right? From Mm -hmm. what I know from your bio. And by the way, you go by Tai Chi, right? Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes. Perfect. All right. Mm -hmm. Great. These demos obviously impressed some people. Is that? They were great. They were great. And, and, and everybody was, uh, I was invited to a royal luncheon with Princess Di and uh, Prince Charles at that time, and it was just craziness. Um, so yes, uh, the the demos were very well received, uh, and then decision was decision had to be made for me to sign a formal contract with them, and that was the that was the point where I got really serious and I said, you know what, I'm 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 way too young to sign by myself, so I'm going to go home and get a lawyer to make sure everything's all right, because I heard horror stories. And, you know, and I had, um, um, at that point, because this was now going, going on for a few years, um, you know, since, since the point when I met, when I swam to the yacht until like this was, I was already 18 and a half, maybe a year and a half. And so I had some experience already in, you know, in traveling and, and, and meeting some not so nice people and getting in trouble. So I knew what to look for as warning signs and stay away from, um, but still, I knew, I also knew I was very young and I didn't want to get into a contract that would be a bad one. Right. So, um, which is very so smart because a lot of people make that mistake. <laughs> yes. And, and what, what, what's next is kind of very sad because I went back home to find a lawyer and I couldn't, I, there's one lawyer that could handle international 
business contracts and uh, entertainment entertainment lawyer and he I just couldn't afford him and so in order to um you know, and I didn't want to go back to London people to give me money for a lawyer. I, I thought it was like conflict of interest. And so um, I, I mean, I don't know if that that's really illegitimate or not, but that was in my mind. No, yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. I mean, you would be basically asking them to pay for the review of the contract they wrote. It probably wouldn't be a good right. Yeah. I just, yeah, to me, it didn't sound right. So I was like, well, you know, let me try to make some money, earn some money on my own, pay for this lawyer, and then just pick up because... You know, I wasn't under a lot of pressure and they were very, very understanding and, and they appreciated me taking that responsible. Uh, Which is step. probably like the last thing you want to give your hard earned money to, right? Like, I'm going to work my butt off so I can pay a lawyer some money. Yay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but at the same time, that was yeah. part of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted that contract. So I, um, so what I did is I went to this top producer in Croatia. I mean, he was, he was one of the three top producers and I said, hey, I need you to write me. And he said, give me some songs. I need to come up with an album, sell a few copies, do a few sh gigs, you know, and, and get this London gig going. And in that process, he gave me the, the songs. This producer really didn't think I could. I had what it took to be a star. So he did it out of like pity or uh, amusement because I was just a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 18 years old at that point. So it was kind of amusing. And. Actually, what happened was my record company, they needed a filler for this competition. Uh, in, do you know Eurovision Song Contest oh, now that you live in Norway? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now that I live yes. in Norway, it's huge. Just <laughs> if anybody's listening, Eurovision is, I mean, you probably if you're in America, you probably know American Idol, but I think it's way bigger than that because you're talking about like multiple countries and people get way into it. And you know what's funny about it? Just a side note, something I've noticed here is everybody pretends not to like it. But they all love it and watch it. I don't know if it's the same in Croatia, but it's a it's a thing anyway. <laughs> yeah, Norway always has very very good artists. Yeah, interesting entries too. It's so, an international uh, competition, a singing competition, yes. essentially. Yeah. The, yes, and and every every country sends their best, or they every country like picks their own per person either through a competition or I don't know how. Well, the the one that I was you know I was the last one to represent Yugoslavia competition was rigged because it was rigged um and my record company needed a filler because they they had rigged it for a person they wanted to win All right so i was truly a filler and i and i was like this this is perfect you know it's going to promote my record i'm not going to win i'm so you know you mean like the, the try well, the tryout for eurovision in your country not eurovision was rigged but the tryout for right qualifying e yeah exactly got it exactly exactly but what happened was that night I, I won and I won with so many points. It was, it was, it was ridiculous. Like I had 160 points. The, the one singer that, that the competition was rigged for had like 80. So uh, it was a surprise and nobody planned it. And, you know, all of a sudden I became, I mean, it, it was, and, and I, I always say, look, it wasn't just me. You know, I happened to be the right place, the right time. I wore an orange dress uh, a few months before that Berlin Wall fell. I was young. I had a song that said, let's go crazy. Um, you know, it was very up and optimistic and young and future forward looking, uh, opening up a world that we all kind of anticipated we would enjoy. Um, we didn't know the war was going to come, you know, but we felt there was there was an excitement in the in the air. And. I, I always say, I, I, in that moment when I sang my little p silly pop song, 
I, I, I literally felt this larger and some, some energy going through, you know, connecting us all kind of like what happens at Eurovision, you know, with like everybody, all these countries are there and you, uh, you really have to uh, try hard not to be um, a part of that collective energy of whatever that is, you know, just awareness that, you know what, we're all suckers for a good experience, you know, good feeling something um, doesn't matter what it is. And in my case, I think it was just optimism and hope and joy. And so that I was just the perfect storm that happened and I won and it just propelled me into superstardom. Um, there's a term in my country. It's called, it's a Tai Chi mania, like Beatle mania. Really? Was. Mm-hmm. Wow. It was just, for, so it was it got, it got that big for you in, in your home country. Yeah. And around, and it was sounds like. And surrounding, yes, it was yeah. total uh, frenzy. Actually, I was, I had, um, I was on charts in Scan- Scan- Scandinavia, so that would include Norway too. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, so, but, but what that did is, see, that got me to represent Yugoslavia on Euro- at Eurovision, which crossed over to international market, European market. And when I went to Virgin Records and I said, "Hey, would this affect our contract?" And they said, "Yeah, so you have to make a choice." At which point I was like, I, I can't back out of this craziness that I found myself in, being able to pre- present my country at such, you know, challenging time for us. It was bigger than my own interests. And so... You recognize that at that age, huh? Yeah. You were, you had a inkling that this is more than just, hey, we're singing songs, this is popular because of the things that were going on at home. Yeah, I did. And I don't know why. I mean, I, I was, I, you know, I have, I have diaries. I've been journaling since I was eight years old. And I just, I have it, that introspection from that time. So it's not like I'm looking back and, you know, putting contents, context into it. That's truly, I did have that awareness. I don't know why, how, yeah. So, but what that did is that, um, so I lost the virgin uh, contract with that. Oh, and then. So in, in this whole like elevated frenzy, this producer <laughs> came to me and he said, well, you know, we, you need to be protected now and we're very smart. We know exactly what to do. So just sign this big stack of papers. And you think I asked for a lawyer? <laughs> no. I did not. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, there. yeah, how did this sort of play out for you in the end <laughs> then? Uh, well, uh, obviously, you know, I, I'm not no longer in Croatia. <laughs> I've been living in America. I moved here when I was 21. So my that tide uh, of uh, you know top of my career, I lived for two years. I enjoyed that career, and then I actually I enjoyed it for about six months, and then I and I realized, okay, I, I I can't do that. I was I felt it was too much of a doll, a puppet, you know, because I had signed my pretty much my life away. Right. And then it became I didn't like, like the, the pawn scenario, like, hey, we can make money off yeah. of this person. We're going to take her here and there. And and that's you. You're the person, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, that's very difficult. All things that are extremely difficult to anticipate how uh, the music business works and, and, and even in that moment of time, right? Because it's an ever-evolving thing, just like anything else. So I guess talk about the move to America. How did that happen? I knew I had to have a break, like a really clean break where I could reset and 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 see who I, who who I was. Because when you live in that kind of, I mean, millions of people had a definition of me, a perception of me, 
that was just one dimensional or you know two dimensional but it wasn't who i fully was and so even though i knew who i was it's, it, i was getting lost because i could never express my who i you know myself i had to play this part and i loved i loved this you know i was a very um you know, just always a big smile on my face and entertaining everybody and life's perfect kind of thing. But I had some serious, deep wounds that, like we all do. Can you, you talk know? about and, those or what, like, yeah, specific sure. things it, or? Well, the, the, the biggest thing is that, you know, I, it, in this whole thing, when I was right around 18, but it wasn't connected with London, I, I was... Um, raped on one of you know and, and it was an unfortunate event where it was connected to a gig that I went to and and the, and the owner it was it was canceled but I didn't know that and I only had a you know a, a one-way bus ticket to get to the gig my manager is supposed to meet me there but it was canceled and so I I didn't have money to to come go back home and you know, it was a kind of situation where I really, I felt I had no choice but to comply. Um, not comply, but to take whatever, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so and that's, and that's, yeah, thank you. And, and, um, and, I, and I know you said you had, you know, you have do- one daughter or two daughters? I have a daughter, yeah. You have a daughter and uh, you know how that's a situation you don't want your daughter to be in. And so I'm I'm very outspoken about uh, you know just changing the culture and and we've we've done some great progress you know uh, especially in the industry about speaking up and and setting expectations and knowing you know when it's when it's time to say stop and how to recognize this, the warning signs and all of that. But anyway, so that happened to me and that took away my you know because to me it was all my fault. You know I I had felt so much shame. And because the culture was different, the culture did at that time, it was like, well, you know, you're a singer. What do you expect? You put yourself in that situation, you know, singers and models, they're all pretty much prostitutes, right? It was, it was, yeah, it it was horrible, but it didn't stop me obviously from, you know, from uh, pursuing music because to me that was never, um, prostitution you know it's like it's it's a terrible thing to think that way um but that took away my power to say no right so when i was in the height of my career and i felt like i'm this doll and actually i have a doll made in my likeness there's a little tai chi doll like a barbie doll you know when i held the doll i was like yes other people get to play with my hands and my my legs you know move my hands and my legs the way they want to, and all I get to do is is keep just my smile on and be quiet. And it was even okay to kind of live through that on my own. I had music; that was my biggest and greatest distraction. But when I looked at like the million, I'm literally like I had millions of fans, and a lot of them were little girls who wrote me letters how much they wanted to be like me. And so I looked at them and I said, I can't, I don't want to be a role model. That says, hey, girls, all you have to do is smile, be pretty, and be silent. And let other people do whatever they want to you. And that's the definition of success. And you want to be like me. And that was the moment when I was like, uh-uh, I'm leaving. And I, I, I packed my bags. And the war had started in Croatia, so that allowed me to get out of the contract. Okay. 
And did your family go to the U.S. with you, or did they stay behind? No, uh, it's it's like a it's like a scene out of a movie. Two suitcases, and uh, and me landing at JFK, taking a cab into the city, and going like, "Okay, New York, I'm here." Right. Wow. How did you feel sitting in that cab? Like truly excited. Oh my gosh, I felt excited. I felt liberate, liberated. I felt I felt free. Yeah, because you weren't just leaving behind your home country, you know, because you can get that feeling as a traveler too, like yeah, that freedom, like I'm out of my home country, I'm, I'm going on in this venture, but you were also essentially leaving behind this identity that you had there that wasn't really you or you were a part of, but you didn't feel connected to in that way. So that's a much bigger thing that yeah. you're leaving behind as well. And then now all of a sudden you have anonymity, right? Just, yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. You liked that. This is so good. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it was funny because I, um, I was, was walking down Columbus Avenue in New York City one morning, six o'clock in the morning. I don't know why. I was up so early. And I just felt like I was like, oh, you know, I can skip down the street. I can I can have no makeup on. I can just I can just breathe free. I mean, look at me. I'm just getting excited talking about it now. Um, I just felt so amazing. And then all of a sudden I hear Tai Chi. Somebody called my name. And I was like, no, no way. Somebody, it, you know, because there's a lot of Croatians live in, in Bosnia and Serbian people live in New York City. Somebody actually walked by me and, and recognized me. But that was just such a great feeling that, oh, I could be free. Um, I, you know, you mentioned every, you know, there's, I have a friend who, um, who was very successful at his career, corporate career. And one day he decided, he, and he traveled as part of his, his job. But it was always like he was never completely connected. You know, he saw all these places and it was always kind of like, you know how it is, business travel, hotels, airports, that's it. And he felt so lost as a person that um, he decided to take his camera and travel around the world and talk to any, you know, anybody he could find um, about spirituality, about God, to try to find his a deeper purpose for life. And he interviewed over like 400 people um, just to find that dimension, you know, and, and who he is. And so that's how, that's what I did kind of with that, you know, moving to New York city. Spirituality was a big driver of that, or it became something that you started exploring when you got there. Well, you know, I, I because I'm I, I always think because I'm an artist, I always had this sense that there must be some larger purpose or maybe not even a purpose, just a larger thing. I don't even you know, I don't I don't wanna you know people call it God, people call it universe. I don't really care what you call it. I just the sense that we're all connected, the sense that life is bigger than our little interest, you know, the sense that Look at the creation, look at the stars, look at how it all works. Like this awe of existence that's large, that's, that we're a part of. And that was always something that was very, um, I was attracted to. I just wanted to tap into it, whatever that it is. And I think it is kind of like a spiritual awareness. Um, and so when I, you know, when I sing, I am most connected with that spiritual awareness. 
which connects me with people and, and everything life. I mean, for you, did that process get sort of ramped up by going to America and being in a different location? Yeah, and because op- it opened up the space. Yeah, okay, that's just that's yeah. a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. When I actually around the same time I met this uh, monk, he was a Franciscan monk, who said, um, you know, because we 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 actually traveled together. I was I traveled with him for about six months on a standby ticket, <laughs> um, Delta's standby ticket, and so around we would just the USA? go to these places. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I would sing, and he would do his um, you know prayer things, and we were. We were we were uh, raising some money for medicine for the um, orphanages. Wait, were, were you like busking on the street type of thing, or no? It was in in the different faith communities and churches. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know what he said to me, and he said many times he would open with a statement: "You don't have to like the biggest, most important pilgrimage that you can make is the pilgrimage in into your own soul, and for that you don't have to get on the plane. You don't have to." cross the street you know but it does um you know putting taking yourself out of your usual routine out of your usual circle of people that you meet every day or or they're part of your everyday life it does help to to see things from a different perspective and to me holding hands with someone who is who thinks different than me who looks different than me who has different life experience it, it truly brings all of this that home makes it into it makes it real otherwise it's just ethereal kind of like philosophy hmm. so how long have you been living in the states now oh a long time <laughs> longer <laughs> than i lived back home <laughs> <laughs> i guess when you got there and you're building your life there because as an immigrant there was this i mean and this has certainly changed i think recently but there's this idea of the american dream right especially back then and now you move to the USA, and over time, are you buying into this concept of building the American dream, or are you surprised at what you find the reality of that to be? Like, were you thinking about that going in? Like, I'm going to live the American dream, and then how did the reality of that compare? Yeah, and for me, the 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 American dream was the freedom. Okay. Yeah, you know, was so you already freedom. had that the moment you stepped off the plane. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, when I say freedom, also like to freedom, freedom to be who you're, who you're meant to be and, and not to, not to get into any labels or boxes, uh, you know, to have freedom to think freely to, you know, that, that kind of freedom. Right. And, um, and yes, it, it was there when I stepped off the plane, but I also, you know, I, I, I dragged with me too much baggage. <laughs> yeah. You know, I had wherever you I, go, there you are type of thing. Yes. And I don't mean suitcases and stuff because I didn't have any. I was I went to a musical academy and they were like, well, you can live on, on campus. And I'm like, that's great. That's awesome. And then I showed up with just my clothes as if you were showing up, you know, at a hotel, checking into a hotel. I didn't know I had to have a pillow and sheets and, you know, um, whatever, um, toilet yeah. paper. Right, right. Like. Right. Um, so I had no stuff, and I, 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 you know, I, I was never really attached to things. I traveled a lot the first five years. I lived in New York City. I traveled a lot, and then um, I decided to move to Los Angeles, and that's when I met my husband, and we got married. 
Now, my husband, when, when he met me, he, he said to me, you remind me of my grandmother who ran away from Poland. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll take that as a, as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> and he had been to, I don't know, like some like 27 countries and he lived for travel. Like he was, that was, you know, all he wanted to do was to backpack around the world. And, um, so he was he was he was a really good candidate for me because I I was having I was had a hard time finding, you know, with, with relationships people that I, you know, they had to be willing to travel. Yeah, that was a prerequisite for you. It it was it yeah. was a t- number one on my list. Well, I mean, not number one, but <laughs> up there. Right. And um, when we, you know, so. Matthew really loved the idea of, you know, I was a musician and, and travel comes with what I do. It does. Uh, Yeah. So he was like, you know, let's do that. Let's just, you know, live a life on the road. And, and that's what we did. Even when, as, as the kids, you know, we started having kids right away. And, um, at one point we were traveling with three, three little toddlers. Well, two toddlers and a newborn. Mad respect because I just, did that with my two kids and it's not easy <laughs> and you're performing along the way is that what you were doing traveling around yes. and performing How, were you booking your own yes. gigs did you have an agent yeah. what were you doing no matthew was booking them you know so in, in on our days off he would book the next leg and uh it was um do you know amanda P- palmer yeah how she uh, yes we were amanda palmering before before her <laughs> okay yeah right <laughs> and uh, we love you know we we made a few few choices that so we didn't charge. We didn't have a fee. We just said, okay, just, you know, we'll just pass the basket. Find a place and to play and pass the basket. Yes. But we did. With three kids you're doing with this. With three kids. Yes. Wow. We did uh, ask that we would stay with families because that was one of the most valuable things for us. We wanted to connect with people. We wanted to um you know, not just learn how people live and, and, and create these, these relationships, but, but that to us was the heart of, of, of travel, you know, meeting people and, and connecting with people. It'd be very easy to fall into that idea of, you know, okay, well now we're here, we got these kids, we need the stability, we need to set things up and you could say live the American dream that ends up being sort of the nightmare that people want to get out of having the mortgages and all that stuff. And you guys kind of went the other way with it. It sounds like. Yeah. I mean, we did, you know, we, I had a apartment in Croatia and Matthew had bought a house and out of college that he was very smart to have his roommates pay for the <laughs> mortgage. You so know? you had some, some bases so in case we yeah, had some fallback base- options. Yeah, and so we used that as a down payment to on a little house in LA. So we did have a home base, um, you know, which um, I, I kind of needed. My personality is like I can travel around the world, but I have to have some place that I can, you know, go back to. And even if it's my parents' home or friends' home, you know, like right now we're in Chicago at, at my friends, and, and I have a room here. Like you know, this is um, home away from home. And 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 I want to mention something. Just just a little tiny digression. When I was little, my father would always say, because he was a musician, and my mom would, would try to, you know, my mom would some some sometimes get upset, like you know, you know, we need we need to, you know, maybe maybe buy a house, like a weekend house, or you know, be more financially responsible, whatever. My dad was a musician, and he would often spend 
his gig money that he earned treating like buying dinner for everybody or buying drinks for everybody you know and throwing big parties and so my dad would say look you can never amass enough wealth to make all the places around the world feel like home right you can never have enough that much money that you would buy all these properties around the world where you would feel like home would you be home? And then even if you could, they'd be empty and they'd be lifeless and soulless. But he would say, you know, if you are generous and if you share of yourself, then all these homes around the world will feel like yours. You'll be welcomed. And wise or not, because, you know, that was that's kind of like what we lived. My husband and I lived with our three children. And I don't know, I, I'm, I'm still you know it's it's going back to american dream it's it's a challenge you know because the, where does life you know health insurance come in where does you know paying the bills uh, kids schools you know colleges all of that is like hmm because i can make it's a reality i can make decisions for me but my children they need you know anyway so that's a challenge but there were plenty of people that would tell us oh you know when you're first born when you get to first born you're gonna have to stop oh when you have two children you'll definitely have to stop <laughs> yeah. i was pregnant yeah. with third now it's time so. i want to talk a little bit about what you do now you're a certified holistic life coach speaker mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're running some retreats i, I want to just share a little bit about what you do and you can share your website and everything and then i, I want to get yeah, I want to get some advice and some strategies from you around some of this stuff. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm still, you know, primarily a musician. <laughs> I still travel for gigs. And um, I, so I combine all three. I combine music and speaking and coaching to really, you know, to inspire people, but also empower them to, like you said, you know, find solutions and overcome the uh, um, adversities and and not not get caught in any um, and, and so somebody else's version of success or definition of whatever, you know, American dream or parenthood or whatever it is, just to, to look for that freedom of being. My husband and I, we were separated for eight months. We had a really, really hard patch, tough patch in our marriage. And, you know, I was like, okay, I mean, at that point I had lived in, you know, Europe, New York, Los Angeles. We had moved to Cincinnati at that point. And, um, and so I knew, I knew what to do when things got tough and I needed to find myself, reset, I would pack my bags, go someplace else, right? And at this point, uh, you know, we were so close to divorce and that's when I realized, you know what, I know the story. I know how to do that. I know how to pack my bags and go someplace new. What I didn't know is how to really truly face what was what was not working hmm. for me. Yeah. Right. So in that way, travel was like not going to be the remedy. It was going to actually be the thing that... <laughs> was prevented you from yeah got it yeah sit sit with discomfort you know sit with discomfort until right. you realize where it comes from and then you just it's it's okay you can work it out and you don't have to stay in that discomfort you don't you don't get to stay in the discomfort um otherwise you you know you you get stuck um but um sit with it and work through it and that's where you know that's why i offer i actually offer a little practice that can help people when they come against these uh, discomforts and what I call them obstacles to the flow. 
um, of life and to really living in that freedom of who we are, authenticity, even like coming to understand or realize who we are, um, is we have to work through these obstacles. You know, I had to, at some point, um, I had to face what happened to me as a teenager, even though I had for years, I'd just put it in my, it was like, you know, just like most trauma, you push it inside and it's just, you don't even, you forget it's there. So, I mean, if some people are looking for some strategies or some practical advice around working through past issues and you've been very, you know, honest and transparent on, uh, you know, certainly here and also on your website, wakinguprevolution.com mm-hmm. yes. um, and talking about some of your struggles with anxiety and some of the things you already mentioned here. And I just wanted to get some, uh, yeah, some advice from you that we could share with everybody on, all right, so you're sitting with yourself, you're trying to work through something. You're not traveling, boo-hoo, maybe for some people, <laughs> but um, but maybe you are traveling and you're like, all right, yeah, I want to work through some things. All right, but that's like overwhelming. How do we get started? Where do we start working through things? It's a very messy process and everybody that's alive knows because they've worked through things, but it's always interesting to hear some fresh perspectives on how somebody else worked through things. So would love to hear some advice around that. Well, I think, you know, uh, f- first of all is, what are you working through? So you have to connect with, um, and, and, and I kind of go through, you know, my, my little practice has like five elements that you can look at. Um, and, and so first like connect, what, what are you really working through? You know, is it, is it fear? Is it, uh, you know, um, for example, I was deadly afraid of flying for years and which, which was really a horrible thing because I love to, to travel and I had some amazing opportunities, but I would not get on a plane. Well, the fear of flying was obviously a, a larger symptom of something that I had to face. So now this is, that's a huge one. So I did have to work also with, you know, a therapist, but, um, so, so you have to connect with what is it that, that it's, you know, stopping you from where you want to be. You have to identify it. Um, it doesn't have to be as huge, you know, it doesn't have to be as a, a trauma with a, with a capital T with a big T. It can be something smaller, like, um, you know, um, why am I feeling, you know, why, I, I, I seem to be tired all the time. Well, connect with, so I want to work through my fatigue, right? Is it, am I unhappy? Am I sleeping enough? How's my diet? I mean, these are like obvious things, right? So you always connect with what is it that you're sitting? What is the discomfort? And you don't have to, you know, just dig too deep all the time. When you come to a big issue, then you go and dig deep with a professional. I always say, if it's something that you can't handle, go ask for help. There's no shame in that. Um, then the second thing is external shifts. Like, look at your, sometimes it does take a big picking up your suitcase or backpack and going someplace, you know, on the other side of the, the earth to, to, to change your environment. But sometimes, like, I mentor at the prison, at the women's prison, and they can't literally leave. You know, they, they can't make an external shift. They can't uh, change their external um, situation so that they would gain a new perspective. But they could, when they wake up, instead of waking up, you know, a certain way and doing a th- certain thing, they can shift that external right. environment just enough to gain a new perspective. Cause Ch- change the routines a little bit and shake things exactly. up, essentially. Yeah. Because the perspective will, it will open up a new perspective a new view you know i often say like you know when you ask a kid a question and they don't understand they kind of like tilt their head what yeah what and then they go the other side (laughs) almost like shifting let me let me see see it from a different 
way, you know, maybe. <laughs> so I think that's what we have to do too. And then the internal shift, then we have to do the mindset shift. And that's where, you know, um, learning about mindfulness and how do we, you know, I have, my, my sons are now teenagers and I've been guiding them toward meditation and uh, mindfulness from a very early age. So they would have this practice of shifting the mind from, you know, an intrusive thought or a thought that gets them stuck in a certain spiraling thinking process, right? Yeah. How do how does that have that awareness and then power to do the mind shift? Yeah, I mean, how do you break a th- a negative thought pattern? Right, it's a practice. It doesn't it's it's not going to, you know, come easy. It's like it's like getting um off sugar. It's going to be hard, but it's Oh, a I'm doing I'm trying to do that right now. Yeah. It's not working so I, out so well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you start with little steps, you know, start with like uh, and I always say you, you you do it you practice on things that are easy. Right? So what's easy for me? It was let's say easy to, you know, um uh, let me think of a good example. Like if I woke up and said, I need coffee. Well, I don't really need coffee, right? So my mindset around is that I really need coffee. So I can, but this is an easy thing for me to to practice my mind around. Um, and so instead of waking up and saying, I need coffee, I say, oh, I would enjoy a cup of coffee, right? So it's a small little mindset shift that's, that that I'm practicing around something that doesn't really send me into a very irritable, uncontrolling space, uncontrollable space, right? So then when you have that practice going, then you can take it to a bigger steps. Oh, this person cut, cut in front of me in, in traffic and I'm really pissed. Oh, that person really needs to go to the bathroom. I'm, bathroom I feel bad for them. <laughs> practicing that awareness, basically. Yes, And knowing that you can shift your mind in that awareness. I mean, having that awareness and know that it's up to you what thoughts you think. Talk about um, what you got going on, because I know you got a a retreat coming up and some various things. And, you know, I really appreciate the time that you've given us here today. And I just wanted to make sure that people know, like, where they can find you and what type of stuff you're up to. Yeah. So wakingupprevolution.com is where I have all this content that's, that's really, um, um, you know, intent in, intentionally created to, to maybe trigger curiosity and, and this journey inward. So I have a TV show that's called Waking Up in America, where I interviewed people with turning points in their lives when they decided kind of like, okay, you know, I'm going to take that trip, or I'm going to move across the country, or, or I'm going to, you know, give up my career to, to travel full time, or I'm going to give up my corporate job for being a coach and a nomad, right? entrepreneur um so there's that tv show um i I, I have a live events concerts and speaking gigs that people always welcome to come and check out i have a big tour coming up in october which i'm kind of like in a pickle because you know i need my mother to stay with the boys (laughs) because because yeah my my husband passed away a year and a half ago oh i'm so sorry from cancer and he was 47 years old so oh, it was very un- sudden yeah and it was non-smokers lung cancer so i you know i always say um that just that that just made us you know realize i mean we you know you know this before this happens but this happened but life is precious and every day 
is is what we have you know we we don't have tomorrow so um it's always today um so yeah so the the tour is coming up in october and then i have um the cruise so i i love this you know, my, my husband traveled all over. I mean, really, to so many. I don't know. By the by, the time he passed, he he had been to I don't know, maybe thirty some countries all over the world, and he loved to travel. And the highlight of, and you know, we for fifteen years we were on the road. We we went to s- tiny little towns like Dodge, Nebraska, population five hundred, to I mean, every corner of America, and. Except we didn't go to Hawaii and Alaska. Those are two states that we didn't go to. Um, and the highlight of his traveling life was sailing in Croatia. We were on the friend's boat for five days. And just the, the combination of the calm of the sea and the culture of people that appreciate a slower pace of life and appreciate coming together and sharing a good meal and glass of wine and playing music, you know, and just being with each other. That was highlight of his, you know, when people said, what's the highlight of, of your life? He didn't say, Oh, when we got married or when my children were born. No, he was like <laughs> sailing in Croatia. Yeah. And I know I realized why. And so I wanted to create that experience for others. And so I take, um, so I'm making it an annual cruise in Croatia. I partner up with, um, Atlas, which is the most reputable, um, travel agency company in Croatia and we um, visit five islands and Dubrovnik of course um, King's Landing including King's Landing set for the King's Landing um, and it's a transformational cruise you know not yes because travel is transformational but also we do you know I have a, a wellness team on board so we do yoga and um, meditation in the morning I do some coaching sessions on, on these, you know, on, on stuff that we're talking about, and then in the evenings we we play music, and just and it, and 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 it's it's really not over, the the time is not overbooked, you know what I mean? So there's plenty of time to just be. Um, it's, the ship is small, so we can anchor in tiny little bays and go for a swim in this beautiful clean water Hmm. yeah sounds amazing and i know the link that uh you shared with me is wakingupprevolution.com slash retreat 2019 so you can check that out if you're interested thank you so much you we'll leave links in the show notes to everything mentioned here and uh, if we want to check out your music where do we are you on spotify where can we check out your stuff yes it's everywhere i mean if you google tai chi t-a-j-c-i you'll get a lot of stuff <laughs> but um but yeah wakingupprevolution.com my, my music stuff is linked there too um it's on spotify and everywhere but you know just just one last thing that I want to say is um, when you were you were saying you know what's what's the best strategy for people I I would just say people connect we connect with each other in our brokenness you know we 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 recognize each other at the place where we're not perfect our lives are not a perfect Instagram filtered um beautiful world and to be vulnerable as we travel through life whether it's physical travel or you know like you said um where you are 
to be comfortable with our brokenness is, I think, what makes this life more beautiful than anything. Because then all the comparisons and all the strive for that perfection that none of us can really, it's not realistic, it just goes away. And then we can appreciate it and, and, and love it. You know, I, I, I don't, I'm not happy that things happen to me, but it's a part of my brokenness that makes me more able to be compassionate and connect with other people. Because I also think all that we do whether we travel, whether we're successful, whatever whatever we do in life, if we don't contribute to the world, you know, give more than you take, then what is it all about? That's that's what waking up revolution is, you know, to, for us to, for, I just hoped with the content that I put out there, I just encourage people to wake up to that realization that, we're not here. This is not, life is not a game that we're in for ourselves. It's about relationships. It's about, you know, enriching each other, yeah. each other's journeys. That's all. That's so well said. And uh, I really appreciate you sharing that. And thank you again for your time. I had so much fun chatting with you today. I hope we can stay in touch and maybe meet up in Croatia somewhere. I don't know. Maybe I'd like to see some of your home country. I still haven't been there, which drives me crazy because everybody oh. loves it. So it's on, well, it's, on the list, that's for sure. Yeah, bring bring <laughs> your family on the cruise. <laughs> I would love to. Can't yes. do it this year, but uh, no, it's <laughs> it's on the bucket list for sure. Um, yes. Thank you, Tai Chi. Awesome. Thank All you, right. Jason. Thank Take you. Take care. Bye. There you have it, my chat with Tai Chi, and I want to thank her for coming on and sharing so openly. Uh, which I'm sure was difficult at times for her to talk about some of the things that she discussed. And I just really appreciate what she shared and what she brought to today's show. So thanks to her and thanks to you for taking the time to listen. I've got a couple things here on the back end. Of course, I got to give a shout out to a couple in this community. Well, let me just read the email first. I got a while back from Wes and Fran Carver, they're a married couple. He said, Jason, we came across your podcast, been an awesome and fun resource for our upcoming trip. My wife and I are about to start a year-long journey with our first stop being in Norway, leaving from Hawaii. We're taking off mid-July, booking in the next couple days, and I was hoping if you're in Oslo in July, we could meet up for coffee. Uh, he just goes on to say, uh, yeah, thanks for the podcast and yeah, some really nice things. And you know, I always mention, hey, you listening right now, if you're coming through Oslo, Norway, drop me a line. Let's have some coffee. Let's get together. So guess what I did? I got to go meet Wes and Fran Carver, their backpacks and all their stuff. I was like, oh man, you guys are traveling. This is awesome. And uh, we were at a French cafe around the corner from my apartment where they have delicious pastries. They bought me a coffee and a muffin. They bought my daughter a bola, which is like a cardamom roll, essentially. And we hung out. It was fantastic. Uh, they were up in northern Norway first doing a workaway gig, and then they came down here to Oslo to hang out before their next stop. Uh, I forget, they were going to Italy. It was just really cool. I love getting to meet up with some of y'all in person. So, yeah, I just said y'all. I'm not from the south, but I just said y'all. Anyway, sometimes it's easier. Throw a y'all in there, 
kind of easier, right? Anyway, Wes and Fran, thank you so much for taking the time to meet up. And if you're listening and you do come through here, please, come on, get in touch. I will do everything I can to meet up with you and have a chat about travel in person because it's what I love to do. I love to connect and it would be wonderful to meet you. So let me know if you come through. Uh, if you have time, be great to see you. And speaking of in-person chats, the next show I'm publishing is an in-person chat, a a live interview I did with a guy who has traveled to every country in the world twice, two times. So if you're not subscribed to this podcast, be sure to subscribe and welcome to the Zero to Travel Caravan. Uh, A couple more things before I let you go. We're going to talk about travel as a reinvention tool first. One more quick thank you to Tortuga Backpacks for supporting today's show. I'm looking at my Tortuga set out right now. I've got a 35 liter set out in front of me because it works perfectly for me around the city. Uh, I use, heavily use four of their backpacks regularly and not just when I'm traveling. I'm talking about when I'm home all the time too. So that's the beauty about these backpacks. They're so versatile. If you go to zerototravel.com slash Tortuga, you're going to see a list of the Tortuga backpacks I recommend. And you can also get 10% off by entering the promo code travel, just the word travel. When you check out, get 10% off over there. As I mentioned at the top of the show, they just released their first women's backpack. So it's got a bit of a different fit, more tailored to uh, women. So, uh, all, all kinds of cool stuff there. Do not waste your time doing a bunch of research. Just go to that link, check out what they got, pick one up. You'll also be supporting this show, and I thank you so much for that. Now, uh, before I let you go, and I got a quote too. I got a, I got a quote from a rock star because I was talking to a pop star today, so I figured I'd stay in the musical realm. It's going to be a quote from Bono. Bono of U2 fame with the hair and the glasses and all that. One time I did a karaoke performance of Where the Streets Have No Name, the U2 song, in Japan. Because <laughs> you had to do karaoke in Japan. And when I went to cue it up, uh, the guy said, oh, this is like a long intro. And I said, don't worry about it, man. Don't worry about it. I got this. I ran into the bathroom. I put water in my hair. I slicked my hair back with water and put my sunglasses on. And while the intro was playing, I let it build up, build up, build up. And then right when Bono came in, I jumped out on stage and did my best sort of swaying Bono impersonation to the rounding applause of the four Japanese businessmen that were sitting there. (laughs) Anyway, that's another story. (laughs) That was fun. Uh, Travel as a reinvention tool, that kind of ties in because you might feel more comfortable doing things like karaoke or putting yourself out there in ways that you wouldn't do at home. Maybe we're a little more self-conscious. Who might see us? That that might be our neighbor over there. I don't want to do that kind of thing with my neighbor standing over there. Um, all kinds of reasons why travel might give us space, as Tatiana said today, uh, to kind of either figure things out, maybe assume new identities and that sounds kind of creepy but i don't mean it in a bad way i mean in the sense that hey maybe we get caught up sometimes in the things that we do in our day-to-day and travel gives us that space to kind of reconnect with who we really are so maybe it's not so much a new identity as just really a part of our identity that's in there that we just have not been able to access or we have not had time to give a little love to give a little attention to and I mean, I've definitely found over the years while traveling 
it, it is an advantageous position to be in, right? You can kind of be whoever you want to be when you're on the road that day. If you want to be the fun-loving guy or gal, if you want to be the person that just sits in the corner and sulks a bit because you're not in the mood, well, you, maybe you don't feel as guilty about it because you're not out with a bunch of friends from home who expect you to be a certain way. You're out with some people you just met or you're out on your own or whatever the case is. It's interesting when you can assume these new roles it, maybe it's not real intentional, but it's kind of like a playground, if you will, right? Like, hey, I- I'm traveling. Nobody knows me here. This is a brand new town. This is a brand new place. It's like when you move to a new town. I could be anybody. I can reinvent myself. And, of course, there are ethical ways <laughs> to do that, I think. But it could be a fun experimentation tool. And I'm not talking about using it, again, as a, I think you get the idea. I'm not talking about using it maliciously. I'm talking about this idea of using it as a way to create space and kind of, yeah, experiment, try things out and get in touch with other parts of yourself that maybe you don't have time for when you're busy in your regular life. So travel is a wonderful thing for that. And maybe you haven't thought of it that way before. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't, maybe you've done this, maybe you've done it subconsciously, consciously. I don't know. You could even do this on a weekend trip. It's just an interesting concept and something to think about as you move your way through the world. I probably have a lot of other things to say about that, but I didn't write any of this down. I'm totally riffing. So as always, I'll probably stop recording tonight and go to bed and tomorrow I'll wake up and I'll think, oh, there were like five really cool, insightful things I wanted to say in this topic, but I didn't because I just riffed with you. And that's what you get. Sorry, you're getting me. You're getting a tired me at a co-working space at night who hasn't had much sleep in the last four days. There you go, for what it's worth. A little few thoughts, I should say, on travel as a reinvention tool. And let's get to this quote from Bono, Mr. Bono, who said, as a rock star, I have two instincts. I want to have fun and I want to change the world. I have a chance to do both. Go be a rock star today, my friend. (laughs) Have fun, change the world, make it a great day. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. See ya. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.